Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. And the king spoke with them, and among them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every one of these areas, he found them ten times better than anyone else. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. You've heard it said that your character is like that tube of toothpaste. It's what comes out when you're squeezed. It's what happens when nobody's looking. It's easy to put on a coat on Sunday morning and to go to church and and act like you've got a relationship with God. But who are you when no one's there? That's the real you. And Daniel understood that. The king isolated them and then the king indoctrinated them. He began to teach them his ways. Do you see a pattern? Do you see where he's going? He's putting stuff into them that he thinks will ultimately change them. And that is what happens. I remember as a child when computers first became available to everyday citizens. In fact, I think I was a teenager when we got our first Commodore 64. I don't know if any of you remember that device. But soon after that, I began to hear preachers and youth pastors teach this principle. What goes into us like a computer is what will come out of us like a computer. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar understood this. Our enemy still does today, by the way. What are you putting into you? What are those influences in your life that are shaping you, that are beginning to form the identity around you? And then what happens next? The king tries to get them to compromise. Do you think Nebuchadnezzar knew that there would be reasons that these noble young men from Jerusalem would not want to eat of his food and his wine? He's the king. He knew this. He knew of their customs. We're going to talk about why Daniel made that decision in a moment. There could be multiple reasons. But I believe the king knew that if he could get them to compromise in the small ways, he had his victory. And your enemy still knows that. If you allow the devil to get a foothold in your life, be careful. Because it can become a stronghold. Those things you think don't make a difference. Those times you think no one's looking. Those decisions you believe are not going to impact you. Be careful. He isolates them. He tries to indoctrinate them. He tries to get them to compromise. And then he tries to confuse them. 
This may be the most intentional thing that he does. He changes their names. Now, for us, this may not at first seem that big of a deal. In fact, last night I, I met some new friends and my little girl always asks people what their name is. And then she always asks them what their middle name is. She always, she always wants to know their names. And we were talking to this new friend. And this person said this, I don't know why my mom named me that. I don't even like that name. For us, names don't have the meaning they did of these Jewish boys. Not to bore you, but let me just remind you what these names meant. Daniel is a name, Dan, El, it means God is my judge. Hananiah means God is gracious. Mishael means who is like God. Azariah means God helps. And what did Nebuchadnezzar do? Nebuchadnezzar changed all of their names and took out their God and he replaced them with false gods. So Belshazzar. That sound familiar? Bel. We see a god of the moon. Nebuchadnezzar even gets his own name into one of these. He's trying to strip them of their identity. Why is he isolating them and indoctrinating them and trying to compromise them and confuse them? Because he's trying to change them. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you. Remember, he's a thief. He wants to steal your identity. He wants to murder that person that God created you to be. He wants to destroy the potential impact and destiny that God has planned for you. When you encounter change, it will always challenge your identity. So I want you to think about that today. For these young boys, the king changed their names, but he couldn't change their nature. We're going through a season of change. Has it changed your nature? Are you letting what's going on in the world impact you and reflect your identity in a way that doesn't please God? We say this often in our church, but I I want to remind you, if you are a follower of Christ, your identity is not found first in your family of origin. It's not found in your race. It's not found in the nation that you're from. It's not found in your political preference. Your identity is found in who you are in Christ. And God's word says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. The old has passed away. All things have become new. What is your identity? If you resolve that your identity is in Christ Jesus alone, you'll be able to navigate any change because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Do you know who you are? Daniel faced change and how he faced that change reflected that he knew who he was and because he knew who he was, God was going to position him to do something great, change. But there's a second word. I mentioned the word choice. You see, every day, you and I, we come to a crossroad of choice. And the choices we make reflect our life purpose. And they, too, determine our destiny. Every day, we make choices. When I drop my little girl off at school, as I do most days of her school year, we pray, and one of the last things I usually say to her is, make good 
choices. Every day, our life is filled with choices. And those choices reflect who we are. They affect what we're going to become. Remember the choice that Daniel and the boys made in verse 5? They chose not to be defiled. Not exactly sure why. We don't have it. It It's extra biblical. We can assume. And maybe it's because the strict dietary laws of the Jewish people. And Daniel said, no, I, I can't do that because it violates the law. I mean, maybe it's pork or it's something I'm not supposed to eat. It may have been because Daniel knew that this food had been sacrificed to idols. And so it was tarnished. It would defile him because it had been used in idol worship. We don't know the why, but we have a very clear picture of the what. When given the choice, Daniel chose to do what was right. He knew why he was there. He had been taught. Daniel's life had been influenced in Judah, in Israel, uh, by the godliest king of Israel, Josiah. Now, Josiah had passed by the time that Nebuchadnezzar captured Daniel and the boys, but Josiah had greatly influenced the land of Judah and brought revival to Jerusalem. So Daniel grew up hearing and learning the things of God. In fact, he was living out what we are familiar with in Jeremiah 29. Another verse that that sometimes we use out of context. You remember this part of Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans of welfare and of good, of a future and a great hope. And we think that applies to all of us. And in some general sense it does. But what was the context? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 29 and in verse 7, God had just told his people that they were being captured by the Babylonians. And in that setting, as exiles where they were captured, this was the instruction of God. Look at verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. Again, God gave it over to Nebuchadnezzar. So God sent them there where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare and you will find your welfare. And then he goes on in verse 11 and says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give your future and a hope. God was saying to the children of Israel in Jeremiah 29, when you find yourself in this place of exile, make sure you stand for me and make it a better place. That's the choice you and I have today. The biggest impact we make is not to be known because of all those things I mentioned a moment ago, where we're from, our political preference, our job status, our economic class. Our skin color. No. The greatest impact is if we're known for Christ. And as as being known for Christ, we make a positive difference right where we are. Daniel knew that God had put him where he was. And his job was to be faithful. So he knew his boundaries. He knew his standards. He, he He knew the rules to live by. Choices he had already made. By the way, some choices have to be made ahead of time, don't they? We're known for the public decision, but it's made in a private moment. Again, I go back to when I was a teenager. I I was taught that you don't make decisions about relationships in the heat of a moment. Because some choices 
or predetermined resolutions. So what are you facing today that might determine your destiny tomorrow? What choices is God asking you to make before the lion's den, before the fiery furnace that affect you and determine your destiny? It's your purpose. Have you discovered your purpose? If so, be jealous about it. Daniel encountered a change. He faced a choice and then he made a commitment. The key verse that I mentioned is chapter one, verse eight. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. There it is. As a young boy, he resolved. The decision Daniel made that day shaped his destiny. And that's true of me and you today. The decisions we make, our commitments now, they determine what's going to happen in our future. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. We remember Daniel for the lion's den. We think of his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because of the fiery furnace. But those events would have never happened were it not for the resolve of one of them, Daniel, in verse 8. And his resolve was so strong that it's clear that his friend thought, us too, we're not going to do this either. We're going to stand for that which is right. And herein we learn some important lessons. The great big doors of opportunity always swing on the tiny hinges of our obedience. God is looking at you today to make decisions, even small decisions, that he desires to greatly honor. Daniel was in Babylon, but he had determined that in no way was Babylon going to get into him. And that's where we are in this world. I've already mentioned we're aliens. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're outsiders. We must avoid becoming content or comfortable with the kingdoms of this world because the kings and the kingdoms of this world will always disappoint us. They will always let us down. Remember the ages of these boys. It teaches us as parents, as grandparents, as a church, something important. The Daniels who'll stand in tomorrow's lion's dens are being shaped and discipled in today's homes and today's churches. We've got to prioritize the impact 
we're making on the children and the students of this generation. We've got to invest on them. Parents, don't marginalize the things of God today and expect your children to prioritize them tomorrow. It just doesn't work that way. If the things of God are not important to you now, it's highly unlikely, apart from the correction of the Holy Spirit of God, that your children will do what they did not watch you do. So will you resolve to be faithful? In God's economy, when we resolve to be faithful in the little things, he blesses us in great ways. That's what you see in this first chapter of Daniel. The resolve of Daniel, because he knew who he was, because he knew why he was there, because he knew where he was going, God had big plans for his life. That resolve made a difference. He understood that the decisions he made today developed and determined his destiny. And that's true of you and me too. It was 1991, the previous year, I had finally surrendered to a call I believe God extended in my life when I was 12 years old. At this point, I was 18. I had changed what I thought was a very noble career path and plan. After having had great privilege to work in Washington, D.C., planning to go into law and politics, I, I knelt at the at the bedside in a college apartment, and I said, God, I I don't know what you want from me, but whatever you ask, the answer is yes. It changed everything. My life became a lot more fuzzy. As I prepared to graduate from college, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do next. I knew I was going to go to seminary. But my brother had just been called to a new church in Titusville, Florida. He, he was there in May, and he recognized he was headed into the summer, and there was no one to help with the students in that church. So he said, would you come and just be our, our summer student pastor? And I said, sure. And, and so we made that quick adjustment, and I, I went down to Titusville, Florida. God really began to work. In fact, there was a, a, a family of boys in that church, and some of them were a little wild and crazy, and uh, Man, I would challenge those students to step up for God, and I even had to get tough with some of them. One of those young boys, a 14-year-old, was named Nicholas Colton. And in that summer, in that summer, he began a relationship with Christ. And God did some great things in that ministry, and so my brother and I began to think, well, God, what, what are you up to? I, I had already planned to go off to Southwestern Seminary, and God, are you changing my plans? And, and so we began to kneel in my brother's office and pray. Was it, did God want me to stay there and just continue to work with those students and try to make a difference with him in Titusville? And we actually got to the point we thought maybe that's what God wanted to do. And yet God slammed the door in that decision. And so a little confused. I remember leaving Titusville that summer and driving off to Fort Worth, Texas, wondering what God was up to. But on the first day of seminary, I met a cute little blonde girl from Texas City, Texas, named Kimberly Dixon. And I saw her drive by in her little blue Honda CRX, and I turned to my new friend Andrew, and I said, there goes my future wife. And that was her. 
You see, the decisions we make as we trust God in the moments of change, they develop us. Sometimes we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through. Sometimes we don't understand how God is going to show up and do what he wants to do. But as we trust him, as we recognize that he has allowed us to be in those moments, as we're seeking his will, they develop us. They shape our destiny for his glory. What decisions does God want you to make today? That's a practical way to apply this message. What is it that he wants you to resolve to do? Maybe it is to trust him with your vocation, your career path, your educational pursuits. Maybe it's simply to trust him with your financial health. If you're listening to a message like this, you've probably heard someone say that God expects you to honor him with what you have. In church, we call it the tithe because that's a, a word the Bible uses. It's generosity is the principle. Maybe you've never practiced that. And, and God's saying, I want you to resolve to trust me in the little ways. And, and then I'll bless you in great ways. Maybe it's just getting into his word on a daily basis. Carving that time out of your busy schedule. What decisions does God want you to make? Well, before I wrap this up, I want to remind you, all of Scripture is pointing us in one direction. All of Scripture points us to who? Jesus, right? It's all about Jesus. So what is this reminding us about Jesus? Can I just tell us? Jesus came into this world, and it was a great change. Because he left the throne room of heaven and became a baby boy. And throughout his life, Living out this change in humanity, Jesus faced daily choices just like you and I did. Even to the point where he knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane and he could have walked away, but he said, no, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And why undergoing that change, having experienced those choices, why did he respond that he did? Because like Daniel, he was committed to why he was there. He understood it. You see this in the temptation of Jesus. Satan comes to him in the wilderness, and what does he challenge? He challenges his identity. Oh, if you think you're God, then just make it all about you. Just do whatever you want to do. But Jesus was unwilling. So Romans 5 and verse 8 tells us that that's why even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, how does the story end? Do you remember what happened at the end of Daniel 1 in verses 17 through 20? As for these four youths, God gave them learning. God gave learning and skill and literature and wisdom. Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. We're going to hear more about that as we dive into the book. At the end of the time when the king commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of eunuchs brought them to Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every one of these areas, he found them ten times better than anyone else. 
because of Daniel's resolve. God gave him impact. God gave him insight. And God gave him influence. And God will do the same for you. So be resolved to live for him in our rapidly changing You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhill.org. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us next Sunday at noon for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.